Welcome back to Soulful Insight. It was the summer of 1985 and my father, along with a colleague, brought a large group of Toronto Jews to the Crown Heights section of Brooklyn, New York, to spend the Shabbos with the Lubavitcher Rebbe of blessed memory. Now, in the height of the Shabbos afternoon, Hasidic Fabrengen, the gathering where the Rebbe would speak, there would be songs. It was an uplifting oasis for Hasidic Jews and Jews of all walks of life to glean from the insight, the wisdom, the appreciation, and the joy that the Rebbe brought to life. And these tens and tens of Jews packed into the Rebbe's shul at 770 Eastern Parkway. And in the midst of the Fabrengen, as the tradition was, the leader of the group would go up, receive a l'chaim from the Rebbe, open a new bottle of vodka, if you will, pour a little bit, and of course then send that bottle back to the crowd, back to Toronto, so that the extension of that Fabrengen would take place back home in Toronto. Well, that year was an interesting one. In the middle of pouring the l'chaim, the Rebbe quoted the opening of this week's Torah portion, Parshat Kitavo, which speaks of the recounting of the mitzvah of Bikurim, the first fruits which the Torah obligates the farmer to take to Jerusalem, to donate to God, to give it to the priests after the crop blossomed, after there was ripe fruit. Talmud and many commentators discussed the details of how that mitzvah worked when you would see a ripe fruit from those seven blessed fruits of the land of Israel, he would tie a rope or a little string around it and say, this is it. This is the first fruit that is ripe, that for God. And then later take that to Jerusalem, bring it to the Kohen, and in a sign of gratitude, open with a statement, a declaration of gratitude, if you will, in front of the Kohen with these first fruits in the basket, presenting it to the priest in the temple. Once presented to him and the statement of where he came from, the stress and the pressure and the vicissitudes and the challenges that brought him to actually bring these first fruits of his blessed crop to the temple. He would then walk back. And as he walked back, there was a heavenly voice that came out from heaven and said, you will merit to do so again next year. It's as if God Almighty was telling this farmer that this good moment, this moment full of blessing and joy and gratitude can't just remain here and now. It can't be a singular occurrence. There has to be a ripple effect. To my father, hearing these words from the Rebbe, it was as if the Rebbe was intimating to him that this group should not just be a one-time group. This group along with many others, should come back every Shabbat. And so he did every single year, and he continues to do so at the Rebbe's resting place, bringing tens and tens of Jews each year, close to 40 years now, uh, to New York to be to have an uplifting Shabbos around the Rebbe. Now, this message is a very powerful one because it's as if this heavenly voice which comes out from heaven carries a message for each and every one of us in our lives we all have moments where we do an unaccustomed mitzvah. Maybe we're at a shiva house and we end up putting on tefillin. Or maybe we're at a simcha and we do something that we wouldn't have done. A bar mitzvah we might put on tefillin. Or we've been asked by someone to light Shabbat candles or make challah in honor of someone who needs a speedy recovery. Or in honor of a special occasion. 
And we leave it at that and hope that there shouldn't be any more stressful times. And we're always up to doing a mitzvah when we're called upon. But what if we took that individual moment, that singular moment of a mitzvah, and we made it perpetual? We made that a mitzvah, not just one that we'll talk about as a moment of the past, but rather tizkeh l'shana haba. We must ensure that it builds an endless and perpetual act. That's the way a Jew performs a mitzvah. And it doesn't just go for mitzvahs, but it goes so for everything in life. Because in life we do experience good moments and we love those moments. But we have to ensure that that blessed moment transforms into a perpetual moment. We stand under the chuppah and we say, I'm here, I'm ready. Let's do this. And then it remains a story to be told of the past. How do we ensure that that moment is a frozen moment of time that then perpetuates that dedication, that love, that commitment each and every day of our life? That that one laying of tefillin propels us to do it again the next morning when it's not such a big occasion so that we can have an interminable act, something that never stops. Let's not lock moments of blessing into a box. We must merit that in another year, it comes about yet again, each and every day, each and every year of our lives. If we do that, that brings success. The ability to be able to take something and unlock it so that it has eternity attached to it. Let's bring eternality to our blessed moments. And indeed, those won't be frozen in time of the past, but will live on and be a springboard for growth for everything in our lives. And indeed, those blessings that the farmer had then will be implemented in our lives as well. 